0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can open your Bibles with me this morning. You guys doing okay? Okay. Uh, Open your Bibles with me over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going start uh, talking to you. This chapter, actually, for the whole last part of the summer and then through September and stuff, the Lord was really speaking to me out of a number of verses in this chapter. And I really wasn't sure what the focus was supposed to be. Uh, there are several. and uh, But as this got closer to starting this series, it really came down to this idea that uh, we're going to see in, in verse 1 that talks about living a life that's worthy of our calling as Christians. And so we're going to cover a number of different topics, but I want to spend a few weeks in this chapter. So um, if you could go with me just to verse one, we're going to look at today. We're just going to introduce this this morning. Um, Ephesians chapter four and verse one, and it says, of course, Paul writing, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk or lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Sorry, I us had my glasses twisted. I couldn't read that last word. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received to God's service. So first of all, just a few things. <clears throat> this is written to believers. This is this is written to all of us. This is not written to full-time ministers. He talks about the fivefold ministry in this chapter and its role in equipping us to fulfill the ministry that God has given us. But I want you to, I want you to start out with that in mind. When it talks about a calling here, this is a calling that belongs to every Christian, every single one of us. In fact, even beyond that, we're going to see that there is a calling upon the life of every human being who has ever lived or will ever live. Not everyone responds to that calling, but when we're looking at that term calling in this context, this is something that goes out to all humanity. It is an invitation to participate with God. And so this calling is this right here, and there are a few different words that are used for the, uh, that are translated into English with this term calling, Uh, But this is a very broad calling. And Paul here is begging believers. The language is so strong there. He's pleading with them. He's begging them to live a life that's worthy of this calling. So every person ever born has been called by God to fulfill a divine purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for every single person every person. And that should motivate us to help people get connected with the Lord, to make Jesus Lord of their life. Because the only way that you are going to fulfill God's design and purpose for your life is to know Jesus Christ, to come into that relationship with him, to receive the Holy Spirit into your life and begin to walk with Jesus. That's how we end up fulfilling the call that he has for us. Um, the, this again, I'll just say this just a little bit different way. So there, there and we'll see this throughout this chapter, there are different types of calling, and again, even different words that have a little bit different connotation that are translated in our Bibles calling. Okay. But this is not what he's talking about right here in verse one. It's not a call to full-time ministry. Okay, not everybody's called to full-time ministry. Not everybody who is called to full-time ministry is called to one of the, what we call the five-fold ministry offices that are mentioned further down in this chapter. Callings vary, all right, different. The call on your life is according to the design that God has for you. He knew you, we'll look at these verses in a minute, he knew you before you were ever born. He designed you. He put certain types of gifts and desires and things in your life. He gave you certain talents, certain abilities that other people don't have. He planted you in this time and in this generation with those to fulfill a part of his kingdom purpose in this earth. Every one of us, I, again, and I know I talk about this a lot, but I think one of the most destructive things that can happen to a person is not to not know that they have eternal purpose, that God has a purpose for their life. And because we are designed for purpose, we are are made that way. When we don't know that we have purpose, our life doesn't have some kind of significance and meaning, and there's a purpose for us, we become hopeless, we we begin to live selfishly. There's just so many things about that. When we don't think about eternity, in the things that we do daily, when we don't understand that the the things that we do, the attitudes we carry, the opportunities that we take or miss every day, they matter in the kingdom of God. When we don't understand that, we don't live for an eternal purpose, then we tend to live for a self-centered purpose. We tend to live, it, it takes away, knowing that there is eternal purpose and eternal accountability which go hand in hand, responsibility toward a call. When we don't understand that, then we tend to just, human beings, we tend to just live selfishly and and very shallowly. We don't give our lives away. We miss a tremendous amount of satisfaction. We miss just a tremendous amount in our lives. Okay. So the Christian here, because this is written to the church at Ephesus, the Christian here is instructed or or commanded begged really to live a life that's worthy of this calling so let's talk about the word calling first okay let's just talk about what that means and uh this particular word for calling means primarily it means an invitation and it was usually used of an invitation to a banquet usually put on by the king. So it was a big uh, feast. It was a banquet. Um, there There was an abundance of food and all that you can imagine at a banquet. That's what this particular word means. For us as Christians, it's an invitation to enter the kingdom of God as a child of God. All right, that's an invitation to every person to come to make Jesus the Lord of your life and become, you know, the scripture says that he uh, gave them the authority or the power to become the children of God. We become God's children. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the world. There's a lot of ideas out there that, that say that, well, everybody's a child of God. Well, everybody's a creation of God. That's true. But not everybody is a child of God. You enter the family of God by making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's the way that works, okay? So this is this calling that he's talking about is an invitation to enter and to accept all of the benefits and privileges of our salvation. To accept all the benefits and all the privileges associated with our salvation. A lot of people become children of God, but they reject the benefits and privileges. Sometimes they just never know about them. Like I just told you when we were doing communion, when I came into the kingdom, I was told what you can trust God for is just enough every day. Well, if I'd never heard any better teaching than that, I could have gone my whole life trusting God for just enough every day. And you know what? He would have done it. That's where my faith would have been. But as it turns out, I can trust God for more than enough to meet my needs and enough above that to pour into other people's lives. Well, it turns out that's what the scripture said. I didn't know that at that time. Okay, So, um, you know, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. When we don't know what has been given, what is at the banquet, what Jesus has provided, we don't know all of that. We don't know what to believe for it. We don't know. You know, and and so a lot of believers, and this isn't critical; this is just a fact. People go through life, they're believers, they're going to heaven, they're children of God, God loves them, but they miss a lot of the blessing that He has that He has provided for us, but also a lot of the purpose that He's provided for us. A lot of Christians go through life with a tremendous amount of shame. Still, they don't understand that they've been forgiven. They don't really understand that they have been forgiven and they have been raised up in Christ. And the scripture says, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, it it just boggles the mind, but that's what the word says. We're joint heirs with him. We're co-laborers with him. We are called into, into fellowship and participation with him. We are children of God. Scripture says right now we're children of God. We don't know what we will be. Like, there's more than that. There's even better coming. We don't know what it is yet. Those kinds of things, a lot of believers go through. That's part of the banquet. But a lot of, you know, a lot of us would go through life with a lot of fear instead of peace. We'd go through life with um, that sense of shame instead of being liberated from that. We'd go through life with all these things if we don't know what's at the banquet. And that we don't feel comfortable sitting down at the table and taking a big plate of food and eating it. If we feel guilty about that, if we say, well, I don't, I don't deserve that. Well, you're invited to the banquet. You've gotten an invitation. And it is a banquet. And, it, and it's, it's such that we come into the kingdom of God and he starts showing us what's in the room. And it just keeps growing. And we keep getting closer to him. And we keep realizing there's more that Jesus did, and he can transform me on the inside more and more and more, and he can show more of himself to me and more of my purpose and my direction and my calling in life. It's a never-ending banquet. It's amazing, but that's that's this term. That's what it means. Um, Zodiates, who's a Greek scholar, says that the origin of this invitation, right? The origin, the nature and the destiny of this call are all heavenly. In other words, this is not something we made up and we decided. The origin, the origin, the the call comes from heaven. All right? The call comes from God's heart and desire to draw us near and share his abundant life with us. The nature of this calling is heavenly. It's about God's work and God's kingdom and God's spirit and his purposes and his plans and the destiny of it is heavenly. We grow in the things of God, right? As we give ourselves, as we come into this banquet with the king and we eat. This word, you know, um, banquet means, I just like this, it means a sumptuous feast, a sumptuous feast feast. One of the things that grieves my spirit is when I'm with uh, you know, a brother or sister, and again, I, I hope these types of things I say, I don't mean them to be critical at all. Honestly, it just grieves my spirit. I'm with a brother or sister who thinks, again, that, that they, they still believe that God is just going to give them a few crumbs from their table or from his table or that God is going to bring evil into their life to teach them and train them. God's going to bring sickness on their children to make them better Christians. When I hear that, it just breaks my heart because these people, the people I'm talking about, they, they're sincere Christians. They they love the Lord. They just don't know what's on the table. They don't know the fullness of what Jesus did. and And it's because of the system they're in or whatever. They just haven't heard it or seen it. And that, that kind of, there, there's, a, there's a strong current of religion in Christianity that keeps us in that place. And it's, and it's marketed as humility. It's marketed as just being humble. Well, I don't deserve and, you know, this and that. None of us deserve. We are invited by grace to a banquet that he has put out. He decided to do it. He paid for it with the blood of his son. He has provided all of this. It is who he is. He has the the most abundant heart of a father that we could ever imagine. And he has invited all of us to come and receive from what he has done. And again, for all of us, it's a learning process through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit to learn what that is. But it just, it breaks my heart. It's a sumptuous feast, it's not a bunch of god tripping you up and god making you sick and god taking your job away and god breaking your car down and god you know doing all this to teach you teach you teach you the stuff that we say not we but people say about god as a father and the and the way that they describe the way that he teaches people and trains people with all of this evil stuff if any human father was doing that, we'd say he was abusive. If you just think about it as a parent, those of you who are parents, you want your kids to do well, okay? Well, I am going to give them a disease so they can do better. I mean, how crazy is that? But we say that about God. It's nuts. And I, you know, again, I am I'm, I'm not mad at the people. I am mad at the doctrine. Okay. So anyway, it is a sumptuous feast. It is an elaborate and often ceremonious meal for numerous people elaborate and ceremonious meal for numerous people this is what a this is what a banquet is and often in honor of a person jesus told us that when we bear lots of fruit it gives honor and glory to god all right living our life and and missing most of his blessing doesn't honor him when we are just We are just receiving what God has given to us and we are rising up into what he's called us to be and to do. When we're doing that, that reflects on him. It brings honor and glory to him. This banquet is in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, a banquet is a meal held in recognition of some momentous occasion or achievement. There's no more momentous achievement than what Jesus Christ did at the cross Right There's no more momentous achievement than that. He paid the price for all of humanity. I remember, I've never been a, this will surprise you, but I've never been a big banquet person. Very uncomfortable at banquets, mostly because of the way we have to dress and all that. Uh The first banquet I can remember going to because I skipped all that stuff in high school. I was like, I'm not going to that. But, uh First banquet I can remember going to was after we had gone back from Durango to Believer Center, and I was on staff as the night Bible College director. And so, at the end of every year, we'd have a banquet that celebrated the graduates. It celebrated finishing the year. It honored uh, the students and the graduates, and you know, we'd we would give out diplomas. We would do all of that um, with the students. Well, I found out in april or may that this was going to happen and that you know i was expected to be there since i was the night bible college director and actually have a role in this banquet and so my response to that was you know i had to number one i had to go out and buy a suit jacket i'd never owned one since i was a little kid when you know mom made me wear that stuff and uh and whatever, I don't know, it was probably a shirt and some pants, a tie, that's right, yeah, of course, how could I forget the tie? <laughs> yeah, I still remember the tie. So anyway, and years later, a friend of mine down at Believer Center taught me to buy shirts with big collars so that you didn't have to strangle yourself with the tie. But at any rate, so we had to dress up, we had to do this stuff, and so I, I did, I bought all that stuff, I wore all that, but I also then I then I wore I had some bright red tennis shoes at that time, so I wore those with my suit. So that was that was good. But anyway, so we'd have this banquet, and it was there was great food. We really went out of our way to honor the guests, and that's the amazing thing about this. As I say, this is a banquet we're invited to. It does ultimately give honor to God. But the other side of it is he has set this all out to honor his kids, to lift us up into a different position. And he has set out all of this to bless us, to show his love for us. And when I say all of this, I mean all the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. Not just going to heaven. There's so much for this life. Even in the sense of when we We live a life worthy of his calling. That honors him. That reflects on him, okay? But there is so much blessing to that. There is so much fulfillment to that. And if you're in here today or you're out there today and you're thinking, well, I've never discovered what that calling is. Don't be discouraged by that. Again, this is a broad thing. We're not talking about full-time ministry for most people, for the vast majority of you. That's not what it's gonna be. It's discovering one day at a time, usually, what his plan and his purpose and his design is for you, and he will guide you into it. If you all you have to do is number one, say yes, receive that calling, and then begin to pursue him. And as you start to get, you know, some ideas coming up in you that this is what God designed me for, this is what feels like I'm walking in. God's glory in me. This is this is where I'm gifted. As you start to do that, don't pursue fulfilling the calling. Just keep pursuing Jesus. And as you do that, he will develop you and change you and grow you. And And the thing is with most people, you will be fulfilling that calling and you'll be the last one to acknowledge it. People will be looking and saying, man, that is a beautiful gift in you. That is an awesome thing in you. And and you, because it's, because it's Christ in you and Christ working in you and it's the way he designed you, it doesn't always feel to you like you're doing anything special, but it is special. And it's so necessary to the kingdom. It's so your part is so necessary to the body and to the work that he has for this generation getting done in this generation. Does that make sense to you? So the other thing about this kind of a meal was when we did that uh, Bible college banquet, Um, and everybody enjoyed the red tennis shoes. I mean, I was being a smart aleck, but I wasn't being rebellious, just so you know. Uh, Anyway, um, it wasn't a potluck. You know, we don't get to bring, we get to bring ourselves to the banquet, but part of fulfilling the call in your life or living a life, let's say it that way, living a life worthy of that calling is learning how to receive from God. Learning how, learning what grace is about. Learning about how to, yes, access by faith, trust God. Do what he leads you to do. But, but keep your trust in him and in his ability and receive. When we have a hard time receiving a gift, that's an evidence that at some level, shame is still at work in our life. Because shame will do that. It'll tell you, you're not deserving. You're not worthy. And the answer to that is, no, I'm not. But here's this, I'm supposed to receive this free gift. I'm never going to be worthy, except in Christ. Christ made us worthy. Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Not so that we could uh, fulfill or on our own merit somehow become the righteousness of God in him, but so that he could make us through his work, the righteousness of God in him. Does that make sense? All right. So we're not going to get much farther today. Um, the Bible, when it talks about calling, it draws a distinction between the calling itself and receiving the calling. Those are two separate things. And here's why. Romans eleven twenty nine. Uh, tells us that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Okay, it's a, I think the King James says they're without repentance. It means God will never change his mind about his design for you and what he has called you to. He's already set the banquet. He's already made all provision. He's already, he's, he's set the banquet. The, the silverware is out there. The drinks are poured. It's all there. He has provided it in Christ that will stand for eternity and it will never change. Our response to that is our decision. Whether we re- choose to receive what he has done or we choose to walk our own path, that is left up to every single one of us the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. They never change. They stand in the spirit realm for eternity. What does that mean? That means there is a call on your life. What you do about that call is left to you. The fact that that there is a call that is out there to all people everywhere, to come and to receive Jesus and enter into the kingdom and fulfill God's design and purpose for you. The fact that he doesn't change that. Now listen to me, because this is where we're going to end today, but I need to get through these. This is an interconnected, sort of a, it's a little circular, but it's absolutely true. The call has gone out from him because he's already given his son for the sin of all mankind. And he has invited all mankind back into fellowship with himself. All right that stands in eternity. Nothing we do one way or the other will ever change that a bit. So there's the invitation. It's out there. You can't change it. You can either accept it or reject it. Those are the only choices, okay? So that puts the responsibility for that part for saying yes on us. All right, we, every human being, will be accountable for how they answered that question. All right, and yeah, I know there's a lot of things some people never knew that was out there. Well, God's gonna deal with that in a just way, all right? But that call is out there. All of us know that call is out there. So us saying yes, that is our responsibility, and there is an eternal accountability over that. Does that make sense? We are responsible to say yes, no, or indifferent, All right. Apathy is the same as rejection. All right. But beyond that, once we say yes, then the grace of God kicks in. It is not our responsibility to fulfill God's call and design for our life. He again takes responsibility through grace to empower us as we walk with him and as he transforms our lives and just through, we remember grace does not just mean unmerited favor. That term in the New Testament, I was going to get to the scriptures today. We're not getting there. But the grace of God empowers us to be and to do what we could never be or do on our own. When we receive something by by the grace of God, we extend our faith, we connect with grace, we say yes to the Lord. Yes, I will walk with you. Yes, I will follow you all the days of my life. I will go where you go. I will let you lead. I will take the steps you give to me. When we say yes, grace kicks in to actually fulfill the call through us. So we don't step into this and go, okay, I'm going to say yes. Now that means I have to do all the work. Paul says in one place that, that he said, "I." we'll get to it next week probably. He, he said over in the book of Galatians, he talks about being an apostle and he says, I'm actually the least of all the apostles because I persecuted the church. He says, but nevertheless, God called me by grace. I'm paraphrasing. God called me by grace. And it is the grace of God that works in me. He says, I worked harder than them all. Harder than all those other, I worked harder than all of them. And I'm, again, paraphrase, but I didn't work at all. It was the grace of God working in me and through me. So the call is out there. This type of calling, it's out there. It's an invitation to come into the kingdom. We are responsible to say yes or no. But once we say yes, the grace of God begins to work in us and the Lord begins to coach us and lead us and disciple us and grow us. And he walks through all of our ups and downs and failures and successes and blowing it and and getting it right. He walks through all of that with us and he releases grace after grace after grace after grace to empower us to walk out the destiny that he has for us. All right, is that good? So that is just a general overview of what it means to live a life. This is not a challenge. Live a life worthy of the calling is not a challenge for us to, in our own ability, just make ourselves like Jesus. You can't do it. It is a It is a call to us. It is an invitation to us to rise up into what God has prepared for us. All right, let's just quit there today. Did you get anything out of that? All right, why don't you stand up and we'll pray together today. Thank you, Lord. God, you're so good. You're just so good. Father, we come to you this morning. We come as your children. Lord, we we stand here in your presence and in your house. And Lord, I I hope for every one of us, certainly for myself, it is always just an amazing thing, knowing me, (laughs) it's an amazing thing to acknowledge that you have called me, called us right where we are, Lord, and that you stand ready not only to just feed us and clothe us and take care of us, but to bring us into this incredible divine destiny that you have for us, to work with us, that you call us joint heirs, co-heirs with Jesus Christ, that you call us co-laborers that get to work with you. What an amazing privilege And Lord, this morning, I just pray, Father, over this word that we spoke this morning over what we dig into the next few weeks, Lord, I just pray that you'd breathe it into us and bring us alive, that every one of us, every person in this room and every person out there would go out into their week today with a sense of divine purpose and knowing that the most menial thing that goes on in their life, the things that we need to do, Lord, it is all part of life with you. And it has meaning and it has purpose simply because of who you are. And as we go out into our community this week, Lord, I pray, I saw this this morning as we were praying together, we go out carrying your presence and carrying living seed, your words, your attitudes, Lord, things that you have given us, Lord, to pour into other people. We go out and we ask you to show us the fields of harvest, the fields of planting, the fields of nurturing, Lord, that we could be effective for your kingdom in this day and in this age, Lord. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to be dismissed on the count of three. I'm going to say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. Again, if you need a box for Operation Christmas Child, they're right out there. There will be a couple of us up here to pray for you personally if you need. Is that true, Bonnie? I said a couple of us, maybe. Uh, Anyway, if you need prayer, come on up. Somebody will pray for you for sure. Um, And so go out there and be the church. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. Amen.